Welcome to the Valley View Friends Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We are so glad that you are listening in today. As God's people, we're concerned with reaching and restoring hearts and homes with Jesus. If you want to learn more about our church, look us up on our website at valleyviewfriendschurch.org. Please subscribe to always get the next podcast. Well, it's Father's Day, and I want to begin with a simple poem about the influence the influential power of fathers. It goes like this. He teaches kindness by being thoughtful and gracious even at home. He teaches patience by being gentle and understanding over and over. He teaches honesty by keeping his promise to his family even when it costs. He teaches courage by living unafraid with faith in all circumstances. He teaches justice by being fair and dealing equally with everyone. He teaches obedience obedience to God's word by precept and example as he reads and prays daily with his family. He teaches love for God and his church as he takes his family regularly to all services. His steps are important because others follow. I like that last line. His steps are important because others follow. And that happens, dads, whether we mean for our children to follow our steps or not, they do. Well, I hope today finds, for many of you, a happy Father's Day, a time to tell your dad thank you and that you love him. And I know for many of you that dad has passed on, so I'd encourage you to reflect, to enjoy memories, to grieve if you need to, and then to pray. For some of you, dad was not what you hoped. And I want to implore you not to give up on the importance of dads or parents. Men, never underestimate the important influence you have in the lives of those around you, whether it's your own children, neighborhood children, or other people in your community. We are called to be influencers, and all of us are. Men, women, fathers, mothers, children, sons, daughters, we're all called to be influencers. You know, right now our culture is abuzz with people who want to be influencers, But a modern influencer in our culture is something different than what we might think. Our culture right now has an obsession with social media influencers. These are people who become stars on platforms like YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok. They have developed a fan base. We often call them followers. And the size of that fan base purchases for the influencer fame wealth, and special privileges. I don't think we often think about that side of the social media influencer. Through social media, they reach into our lives, they reach into the lives of millions, and they set trends and values, the values of our times, with a great impact on our culture, on our families, and on our children. A social media influencer can be described as an everyday celebrity, a normal, rich person. They live exciting lives, through, though their viewers often forget that they only see a highly edited version of excitement and happiness when they watch that social media influencer's channel. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. Those that aspire to be a social media influencer, and many of our young people do do desire to be social media influencers, they most often are lured by fame, fortune, and admiration. They find meaning in being that sort of influencer. So what's the problem? Why is Pastor Josh picking on social media influencers? It's Father's Day. Why are we doing this? I've got no problem with those who make a living on the internet with influence, but too often a person becomes an influencer based on popularity on likes and subscribers. And I know we just asked for you to subscribe to our podcast, but we're not trying to be a social media influencer. 
Instead, uh, there, so people are, are often influencers because of popularity, likes, and subscribers instead of their character and their ethics. They might use their influence to produce good, making lives better, or they might use their influence for selfish or vain pursuits. Be careful of a person who wants your attention so that they can move up in the world, often at your expense. This is the exact opposite of the influence that a father or any parent should wield. It is certainly far different from the influence that a Christian is to exert on this world. And today I want to take a moment to talk to you about how God has called all of us, all of us who are Christians, fathers, mothers, sons, and daughters, to be influencers in the world around us. Today our text comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14-21, through 21, and in it, Paul calls the Christian to live in such a way as to influence others, to draw near and become reconciled to God. The Christian is called to influence those around them by living for Christ instead of for themselves, by embracing their identities as new creations and letting go of the old self, and by being an ambassador for God instead of a judge in God's place. This is good advice for fathers, mothers, sons, daughters, and any person, no matter where they find themselves in life as they walk as a Christian. So let's read the text in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 14 through 21. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on We regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So, today I want to talk about the influence we have as Christians. And we have influence when we first live for Christ instead of for ourselves. In the beginning of our passage, it talks about us that we are convinced that one died for all. Convinced is such a wonderful and good Quaker word. Early in the Friends Church, we use the word convincement to describe evangelism. We'd ask the question, are you convinced of Christ? What we read today is that if a Christian is convinced of who Jesus is, they're certain of who he is, our Savior, our King, our Redemption and Reconciler, then we will live differently. If you are convinced of Jesus, then you will live for Jesus instead of for yourself. It is the greatest of human temptations to live for ourselves. And no one says, well, I'll serve myself so that I'll be miserable. We're all tempted to serve ourselves because we think it is what is best for us. I, I know what's good for me. I'll, I'll do what's right for me. But it doesn't always work out that way. 
Ralph L. Woods writes this story about an ambitious farmer who was unhappy about the yield of his crops, and he heard of a highly recommended new seed of corn, and so he bought some, and that year he planted it and and raised it, and when he harvested it, the crop was very abundant. In fact, it was so abundant, his neighbors were astonished, and he asked them to sell them a portion of that new seed. Can you give us some of that too? But the farmer, afraid that he would lose a profitable competitive edge, refused. The second year, the new seed didn't produce a good, good, good crop, not as good as it did before. And when the third year rolled around, the crop was still worse, and it dawned upon the farmer that his prized corn was being pollinated by the inferior grade of corn from his neighbor's fields. He was trying to serve himself, making a selfish decision. I'll take care of myself instead of my neighbors. And he made himself miserable. He didn't intend to make himself miserable, but he did what he thought was best. But it wasn't. If you want the best life possible for yourself and for the people you love, for those around you, then you need to live for Jesus. Secondly, this passage tells us to embrace our identity as a new creation and to let go of our old self. One of the great challenges we face as Christians is, to, is understanding and embracing that we are now new new creations in Christ. Why is this so hard? Well, we might feel the love of God. We might believe that we're forgiven. We might put all our trust and faith in Jesus. But for many of us, even when we do all that at the end of the day, we still kind of feel like the same person. We remember our sins. We still feel our shame. We have friends and family that know our flaws and our mistakes, and they tend to remind us of them. And we have the devil, and he whispers in our ear, the things we did in our past. The devil makes us feel guilt. I always try to remind people of this. The devil makes us feel guilt. God makes us feel conviction. And there is a difference between the two. So we are called to embrace the new and put off the old. This is part of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24 says this, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Being a new creation means that we have been given a new identity. Those who follow Jesus, who are Christians, are to put off their old identity as the guilty and receive a new identity as the redeemed. And that new identity is found in John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. Yet to all who did receive him, meaning Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, a new identity, right? They're children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The phrase, not of natural descent or human decision, the Christian is born again by the pleasure and privilege of God. We are no accident, and we're no afterthought. God has gone out of his way to make you a new creation as his child. And so, we are part of a new family. We have a new identity. We have a new beginning. And this newness is not canceled by our ability to remember our past and our sins of the past. And it's not even canceled by the sins we might be fighting right now because Jesus conquers that sin if we surrender it to him. 
Now, also, we need to remember that being a new creation means that we're no longer to be satisfied by our former sinful ways. And that's important for us to remember. Colossians chapter 3, 9 and 10 says this, Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. One of the great challenges to the Christian is embracing new creation versus their old self and the battle of sin. Uh, We often (laughs) go back to those old sinful ways. And Paul is saying in Colossians, don't lie, you've taken on a new way. Don't go back to the old, take on the new. Now, I know there's a lot of people that say, well, I am a Christian, I follow Jesus, but I still sin. What does that mean about my faith? And to this, I would say there's a big difference between continuing to sin and continuing to live in sin. That's really important. There's a difference between continuing to sin, which we shouldn't desire to continue to sin, but we may still wrestle with sin. There's a difference between continuing to sin and continuing to live in sin. What do I mean by that? Well, I think Romans chapter 6 verses 11 through 14 gives us a clue. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer every part of yourself to Him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. Too many of us return to sin because it makes us feel alive. It makes us feel good. Too many of us let sin reign in our lives and rule in our lives as master. If we want to embrace our lives as new creations in Christ, we must offer ourselves to God. We must find life in Jesus alone. We must let Him be master. Being a new creation has less to do with the struggle over sin and more to do with Jesus being your master. There's a little quote I spotted on the internet that has a ring of truth to it. Stop trying to recycle what God is trying to replace. I think we often do that. This little quote tells us two things. We're to stop trying to be in charge of God's project and stop trying to decide for God what needs to be done. We often do that with our lives. We say, you know, Lord, I've got this problem. I've got this sin. And so I'm going to tell you how to fix it, Lord. And God says, you don't even know what I'm trying to do. There was a London businessman, Lindsay Clegg, who told the story of a warehouse property that he was selling. The building had been empty for months, and it needed repairs. Vandals had damaged doors and smashed windows and strewn trash around the interior, and as he showed a prospective buyer the property, Clegg took pains to say that he, I'll replace those windows, I'll, I'll bring in a crew and correct any structural damage, we'll make sure that it's in good shape before you buy it. And then the buyer turned around and said, you know what, forget about the repairs. When I buy this place, I'm going to build something completely different. I don't want the building. I want the site. Compared with the renovation God has in mind, our efforts to improve our own lives are trivial as a sweeping warehouse slated for a wrecking ball. When we become gods, the old life is over. He makes all things new. All he wants is the site and permission to build. 
The last thing this text tells about the mission of the Christian, how we are to be an influencer in the world around us is, you know, we live for Christ instead of for ourselves. We embrace the new and put off the old self. But then thirdly, it says we are to minister as God's ambassador instead of judging others on God's behalf. Every Christian is called to the ministry of the gospel. We're all given the office of ambassador. What does it mean to hold the office of ambassador? Well, an ambassador of the United States represents the authority and sovereignty of the United States wherever they go in the world. Whatever foreign nation they're in, they represent the United States of America. They represent their home country, and they do not become a part of the foreign country they reside in. They may live there. They might understand that country. They might uh, learn about the culture, but they remain American. It's the same with a Christian. We're to be just passing through. We might live here on this earth, but as Christians, we are citizens of heaven. We might know the culture. We might live in this world, but we do not become citizens of this world again. Too often, we are trying to live as citizens of this earth with just a ticket to heaven. But that's not how it works. We are citizens of heaven. We are ambassadors of heaven who just happen to be passing through. Can you say you're a citizen of heaven? Are you trying to be a citizen of this earth? Just trying to get that ticket, that pass for later to get to heaven. That's not how it works. Second thing about an ambassador is an ambassador speaks on behalf of their nation and their leaders. In the same way, we are to speak on behalf of and in place of Jesus as his representative. We are to share that reconciliation and that heavenly citizenship with all that we encounter. We say, or to tell them, it's available to you. So, I come back to parents and fathers in particular. Remember, as you speak to your children, you are to speak representing Jesus to them. That's not to say you are to speak expecting them to respect such grand authority, but you are to speak knowing that your words and your actions will show your children the very Jesus that you call Lord and Savior. So, choose and measure your words wisely. This world is full of influencers, most of whom are trying to advance themselves. Will you today vow to become an influencer for Jesus, living for Jesus instead of yourself, embracing the new creation instead of your old ways, and living as an ambassador, proclaiming the hope and joy of God's reconciliation to those around you? Let us pray. O Lord, help each one of us to take seriously your calling upon our lives to influence the people around us, our family, our co-workers, and even our neighbors. Help us to see that we do this work best when we live completely for you. Help us to represent you well and to be ambassadors of heaven. Lord, help us to proclaim boldly that Jesus is the reconciliation of our sins, of all sin, and that any who believe can be restored to God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go with Jesus.